But now we've been burned, the skin, our skin's been burned off and there's raw flesh underneath or the first layers and there's raw yeah. skin, it feels very sensitive. Mm-hmm. What's great about that is we can now, it's forcing us to consider more the custodial realms of ourselves as to who do we want to be in the world, who must we be in the world. Not, not as an obligation, not as, you ought to, yeah, you should. But how do you find that within yourself so it becomes a joy, it becomes a pleasure? Because I think ultimately, if there is a, a question at prior, just at the moment, death or on the other side, whatever it is, how do you feel about your life when you're by yourself? Hello, I'm Rita Hyland, and you're about to discover what it means to position your business, career, and life to play full out. This show explores the way leaders just like you embrace and achieve their ambition without working harder or grinding it out any longer. So if you want to take your life, business, or career to a playing full out status and do so while being the happiest high performer in the room, then hang with me because this show shares everything you need to know using the best of neuroscience, transformational psychology, and a bit of spiritual wisdom to help you change fast, even when it's uncomfortable or scary, or you failed to do so in the past. All this so that you can enjoy more freedom and prosperity in your business and life. I'm happy you're here. Hello, friends. I am excited today because I'm bringing a special guest to you all the way from New Zealand. Bruce Ross is his name, and he's here to share his extensive experience and expertise on what he refers to as the inner game of leadership. Bruce has a proprietary approach to leadership development that is research-based and has been honed over 37 years while working directly with the full spectrum of leaders, whether emergent or established. The resulting framework he's created is called Flowpreneur, Unshakable Bold Leadership. It integrates brain science and optimal psychology directly into business to help leaders and teams tap unsuspected reserves of human performance, intelligence, and potential. He also delivers this leading academic research and real-world pragmatism within his highly regarded MBA-level leadership development programs and university short classes. Bruce has spoken at over 33 annual conferences, and he's been published internationally on the topic of leadership and accessing peak performance. Plus, he's personally coached over 1,200 business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. I am super excited to have you here, Bruce. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited as well. Welcome. (laughs) I know that we have a lot of overlapping passions, and Mm. that's why it is exciting for me to have you here and to share some of yours you have an incredible amount of experience with leaders and teams. And I'm curious, with the clients that you work with, what is the biggest challenge that you help these teams and individuals face in business today? Okay, so leaders step into the, into the position of leadership because they want to do good. They want to improve by the vast majority. They really want to help their people. They've adopted or they understand that a job of a leader is to grow leaders around them. And how do they do that? So they're doing the best they can, but they don't necessarily recognize some fundamentals. What do I mean by fundamentals? What I'm interested in is not the classic approach to leadership. The classic approach is is what's at the core of leadership. Oh, it's vision. You've got to have clarity about the future. Well, heck, we can put a cross there at the moment with COVID. Where is it all going? 
oh, it's all around execution. It's all around getting the job done through and with other people. It's all around influence. That's what I've got to be good at, communication and so on. And I think, yeah, that, there's a place for that, absolutely. Uh, okay, well, it's all around charisma or EQ. It's all around connection. It's all around empathy. It's all around inspiration. I think there's an even deeper perspective that most people miss, which is almost a blinding flash of the obvious, but once you get to it, it unpacks leadership and makes it really simple. What the heck am I talking about? I believe that what lies at the heart of leadership is, in fact, energy. Energy, right? Now, your listeners will probably go, oh, that was a bit of a letdown. I get it because energy, if I have high energy, I'm more productive. If I have low energy, I'm, I'm less productive. So what? But the thing is that when you have more energy, your thinking expands. So you're more relaxed, you're more confident, you're more authentic, you're more confident, you're more, more robust, you're more inclusive, you're more we-inclined, uh, you can see greater perspectives. You're in your better self. Your best self is when you have high energy. When you have low energy, you are withdrawn, you are blamey, you are brittle, you are isolated, you're disconnected from yourself and from your people. And typically when you're in that place, Life is harsh, brutish, and short. You know, it's that it's it's grindingly slow and hard, and it's exhausting. So that's the first consideration that really, even at an individual level, because I know we talk about leaders, and you, so this applies at self leadership, team leadership, and organizational leadership. Same concepts. So we need high energy levels just for our own sense of well being. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we get into that and we go, right, okay, so how do I raise energy level? Well, there's the basic, you know, there's the sleep and the nutrition and movement and breath work. So those are the basics. Absolutely, they are totally essential. That's not my area of expertise. Um, You're in my area of interest is around mindset and emotional inner states and that sort of thing. So at an individual level, we need high energy levels for well-being. But the job of a leader is to give energy. It's to be a still place in everyone else's changing world that is Think of it that a child's job is to suck their parents' energy, and they do that through spending time together and through crying and being taken care of, et cetera, et cetera. That's their job. It's a natural flow, natural way of things. And the job of a staff member is to suck their boss's energy. Now, you didn't know that, but you walk in the room, and immediately people's attention go to you, and they want your direction, your time, your input, your confirmation, your validation. They want your energy. So therefore, there's a double responsibility for leaders to keep themselves topped up because not only for their own well-being, because they want to be in the best of themselves to make the best decisions for the company and so on, but also because other people depend on them. In fact, they take their energetic cue from you. So think of it a bit like when you're at home as a kid, you look across and mum's in a good mood. You go, oh, great. Mum's in a great mood. You feel better. Your energy goes up. Or you look across and mum's in a bad mood and you go, ooh, and you hunker down. Same thing, your staff look at you and their energy is directly correlated to you. So what that therefore means is that we need to be mindful. I think energy management is a key competency of leadership that doesn't really get spoken about. So what takes, what saps our energy, what hemorrhages our energy And what do I need to do to make sure I get high-quality energy? Because we can get easy, low-calorie energy. You know, you can have a a fast-food bar, but it's not got much energy inside it. So what are the experiences? What are the levels of communication? Or how do I ensure 
I get high quality energy in. So I think those are the two key elements for, straight away when you talk about energy. It's deep self-reflection. Where's my energy state right now? What sucked it? I'm feeling bad or I'm feeling low right now. What was it? And ordinarily people just trundle, just trudge through the day and get to the end of the day and they feel knackered. And there's that saying or that understanding that people's best get given at work and their worst gets given at home because they've got no energy. Depleted. Yeah, absolutely. What I'm interested in is how to be our best at work and at home, have a bigger impact across across the board. So lead better, but live bigger as well. So thrive. Got it. Got it. I see. Okay. So, so the challenge that they face is, it sounds like one, not knowing that this is actually pivotal and being able to maintain or become the highest level of a leader and then how to go about doing it. What are the, well, what's the biggest challenge before they come to work with you or maybe the biggest mistakes that they're making before they come to work with you? Ha, they think it's them. So what do I mean by that is that let me, let me do a bit of a backstory because this has got a significant impact on, on why I've gone into this whole area of energy. So where are we? 2020, three years ago, three and a half years ago, our 25-year-old daughter was diagnosed and died of lymphoma cancer. So it was a nine-month diagnosis through to departure. It was horrific. It was horrendous. It was absolutely devastating existentially. Something like that, you never expect a daughter to die ahead of you. Now, there's a whole conversation clearly around that. But one of the most important and relevant aspects I'd like to bring out today is I got, co- I got some counseling because of what was going on. And it was a very straight talking counselor. And, you know, I was saying, look, here's Danny. She's stage four cancer. I didn't know, we didn't know at that stage if it was fatal, but, you know, possibly impending. And the counselor said, look, Bruce, there's nothing wrong with Danny. I went, (laughs) what? (laughs) You're kidding. She's got stage four cancer. And she said, there's nothing wrong with Danny. Parts of her have cancer. And that took me aback. A part of me refused, you know. But I also felt the deep truth of that that the life of Danny, yes, it was being hammered and yes, she was feeling pain and yes, she wasn't being her full self through the chemo and radiation and so on, but it changed how I dealt with Danny. I dealt with her from intact Danny as opposed to broken Danny. Very different level of conversation. So you asked me the question is what's the biggest challenge or what's happening prior to how most people think about this area of leadership and at the moment it's COVID and it's been challenging and all the rest of it. And I said, they think it's them. The way to think about it is there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. The system works well. There is something leaking your energy. So at the moment, there are things going on that our thinking sees as massive threat and that sucks our energy. But you, there's fundamentally nothing wrong with you. This also has a deep impact when it comes to work because unusual assessments, you know, performance evaluations, so forth, either annually or six monthly or whatever. They're typically historic that says, you know, Bruce, look, you're supposed to do 10, you've only done four. And I, as a recipient, go, oh, there's something wrong with me. I have stuffed up. I am broken or why the hell can't I? And there could have been all sorts of justifiable reasons, but I take it personally and I'm at that point, I'm leaking my own energy. 
Now, the leader didn't really know to say it any other way, but if he said something like, Bruce, I know that when your energy level is really high, you perform out of the, you know, you just knock it out of the park. You know, you can knock 10, you could do 20. You did three, so there's something leaking your energy. What is it that's leaking your energy? So nothing wrong with you, Bruce. Something's leaking your energy. Let's have a conversation around that. Now, that becomes deeply meaningful because most people, it's, it's not personal then. It's not, it doesn't cut to the very core of their own identity of who they feel they are. So leaders at the moment are probably flailing. In fact, it's, I can't see how, how we can't not. I mean, there's everyone in pain because our habits, our routines, what we believed, what we could rely on, they're shifting. And that is hugely, hugely destabilizing. So we're getting to see who we thought we were versus how we actually are because of how we respond. But if it is that there's the thinking, there's something wrong with me, why haven't I been able to, or why can't I? No, that's actually quite a punishing, cruel way of thinking about it. There is nothing wrong with you. There is a place inside which is really rock solid and and happy to go into that. You need better skills. There is something leaking your energy. The skills that you had need to be improved, upgraded or whatever to ensure. So to move you from being an energy colander, I think you guys call it a sieve, to becoming what I call an energy chalice. So you've plugged the holes. You know where you're leaking energy and, and you've got the skills on how to be able to plug those holes so you can feel intact as well as be intact. See, what typically happens is if we are in a stressed state, it's almost like a cognitive choking. Our thinking reduces. We self-obsess. We catastrophize about the issue, so it becomes bigger. It goes round in our head, depletes our energy, reduces our thinking ability, and so we can't think out beyond the problem. We're stuck, in, if you like, in the hole of it. And in that place, it's a very blamey place, and so therefore we blame ourselves or we blame the person next door or we're not in, this, not in a strong place. It's what I call our primal state because our thinking has triggered the fight, flight, freeze, defensive part of our systems. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Powerful examples to elicit or get you to this, you know, to first of all share, but also um, to pull forth and notice the pivot, the, to the simplification of not making it personal and putting it back to it's it's about your energy. It's about something outside of you. And there is a there is therefore the possibility, if you don't go into that fight or flight state, that you will be more intellectually capable of creating creativity and problem solving and all of the things that you say to be able to pull it forth. That's that's amazing. So the biggest mistake that people are making during this time, I think, and you're right, there's so much draining of our energy because of the unusual circumstances, as well as that there's a lot of, as you would say, vampires or needy people around, that you have an unusual amount of people that are tapped, that are at low energy. So Mm. that means that you're being sucked dry at an even higher clip. Very interesting. What is it that you, therefore, knowing the problem and having so well identified the mistake and how to pivot it, what is it that you recommend to leaders to do to address this mm, type of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. So you asked a powerful question in preparation for this. You said, how do you, come not the exact word, but how do you make sure you thrive and not just survive this period of time? And my answer to that is, 
if, if you can draw, and maybe your listeners at the same time, can draw a bullseye. So you've got one circle in the middle, a circle outside that, and a, and a second circle. So you've got three levels. The outer level, put the word expendable. Middle level, put maintenance. And inner level, bullseye, put custodial. What is this? Well, we live in remarkable times, and we're being called on to be remarkable people. We look back on history, we see a lot of people have been through stresses, strains, massive change, and we stand on their shoulders. And our children and our children's children demand of us to, to rise to the occasion. So what does that actually take? And also, what does it take to thrive, not just survive, get through? What I think of survival, it's just how do I minimize the pain? I know there'll be scratches, I know there'll be bruises, but I'll just sort of avoid, I'll squeak through, I'll, you know, whatever. And that's quite defensive. Oh, I get it. You know, I, I need to avoid the pain. So the question is, if I'm going to thrive, what part in me gets to grow? What's the thrive part? And it's the custodial part. So let me explain what I mean. So on the outer edges, you've got expendables, expendabilities. So as an example, you and I having a chat. Let's say we've just met. We have small talk. It's expendable. It's it's but it does serve a purpose that it gets us to know each other, feel comfortable with each other and so on, but it's expendable. And in fact, in any learning, 95% of it is expendable because five, only 5% lands and the rest are gone, it's forgotten. And, and you know, if I said what happened last week, you go, oh, geez, I can't remember. It's, it, there's so much in life that's expendable. Got it. That's just part of life. It's just how it works. Food in, food out, that's expendable. The next layer is maintenance, and clearly food has a maintenance capability, keeps your body intact, and so on. But you could say that habits or our training, it's the, it's the invisible infrastructure that keeps us going. So our thought processes, our maintenance systems, it could be how much sleep you get, uh, how much water and nutrition and those sorts of things. So that's the maintenance system. So there's a psychological maintenance and there's the physical maintenance. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the custodial. The custodial are those things which are deeply precious, the things that your life honours. It's the first principle of yourself, of who you are in this world and what you're about. So it's what you have a deep sentiment about. It's the people that you deeply trust. It is the memories that you cherish. So as an example, at the moment, my wife's mother is nearing the departure lounge. She's moved into a room. She's not well. She's moved into a room in a, in a hospital-type setting. And she's only got things around her that have deep sentimental value. So the things she wants to hold close are the things which are, she is custodian of because they've got deep sentimental value. She's not interested in the finery or the glitterartery or whatever, you know, that's gone. That's part of the maintenance. Maybe it was useful back when, but it's nowhere near. So as a person moves towards their dying days, they are actually more in the custodial element of themselves. So what we're talking about is for most people, we live our lives on the maintenance level. I need to get money. I need to hold my family together and so on. And occasionally we have bright moments, you know, really good conversations or family relationships, or I, I may get caused to think about my life purpose. You know, that's in there, my values. So what's deeply meaningful and purposeful for me fit into that custodial realm? So if there is anything that's good that's come out of this COVID thing, it's that our 
habits, the maintenance life has been shaken. So the things that we used to depend on are no longer stable, or so many of them are no longer stable. So institutions, leaderships, politics, economics, education, we can go on. All of these things, you and I are of similarish ages, and we never had to think about, you know, they were stable, they were reliable, they were, you know, you didn't have to think about them. So it's shifting. Mm-hmm. So that maintenance realm is what's been absolutely hammered. And what people are also feeling is the absence of that depth within the custodial. So the custodial is where life, the depth of life is felt. So it's where considerations like, do we live in a hostile or a, or a benevolent universe? This is Einstein. He said one of the biggest questions each of us are going to have to answer at some stage in our lives is, do we live in a hostile or a friendly, I think those are the words, or benevolent universe? Core fundamentals, right? Now, it's when those get shaken that we feel absolutely lost or if they're absent, if it's an area that a person hasn't thought into. So how do you begin to fill that up? And I think that's one of the things because we don't know what the future holds. We're going to have to pivot, be agile in terms of our training. And you're all around neuro leadership growth code and how do you train your mind? And I absolutely, that's crucial. That's fundamental because that maintenance zone protects what's most important for you, the custodial. But we need to be able to grow the custodial. So what, what comes into that zone are things like your spiritual vision. What I believe is crucial is why the heck are you here? And I use a process, cosmic geometry, which is geometry is there's cause and effect. Cosmic geometry says there's a cause for which you are the effect. You've been born specifically to address a need. What's the need? Once you have a clue or an understanding around that, you're in alignment connection or the energy flow happens automatically so that's high quality high octane fuel that's where you top up with good quality energy when you're doing your calling but also what i'd like to take you and your listeners through is another exercise as a short two to three minute journaling contemplation to help top up and give you guys an experience about what that custodial zone is like would that be okay that'd be great that'd be great so it's a, it's a journaling exercise, so I'm, I'm probably going to slow down my speech and give you time just to – it's, it's a contemplation, so write down your answers. And what's great about this is that there really are only two questions to be answered. So it begins. We're in the midst of a process of subtraction at the moment where what we really relied on as constants are shifting. Or disappearing. Security can no longer be found there. But subtraction is useful to help us find our inner stability, our innate immunity. Ask yourself to subtract all the noise of your life, the worry, the frustration, the anxiety, the turmoil, and then to be with what is left. And what is left is what you won't compromise. So take a few moments, try to connect to and feel into that inner state of no compromise, those things, then the weakness of everything else, you will not give up. So I'll pause here and you can come back to me, uh, Rita, when you know, you'd like to go to the next step. 
Okay. I'm I'm doing it. Okay. 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 So the first question is, after the subtraction, what's left? The second question is to now ask yourself, why? Why won't you compromise that or those things? What makes you keep going? I'll pause here. Let me clarify. Why once you have got those answers, why are those important to you? That's right. So why will you not give up? Why are those things, things that you will not compromise? Got it. Okay. Got it. Mm. So what this exercise does do is we tend to look out there for stability and absolutely we do. We need people, we need reassurance and we need food. I mean, absolutely. We it's two things, but fundamentally we, we live and die alone. We need to be alone decisive. And during this time of COVID and deep uncertainty, how do we look to what is certain? You can say, well, Bruce, what's certain about you? And go, oh, I'm not sure, you know, because I vacillate, I do this. Now here is something that is certain about you. There are some things in life that you will not compromise, but more importantly, what's the why behind it? That, once you connect to that, you'll probably feel a surge in energy. So it's that high-octane fuel I was talking to you about. Mm -hmm. It's a custodial contemplation consideration because this is solid. It's, if you like, a permanent line connection for you. You're plugging yourself in a bit like your purpose statement plugs you into energy supply, energy source. This understanding or this knowing, this this certainty about yourself does the same thing. So Bruce, let me ask. So so what you're saying is that when you have that answer and you know the why, they're so mm. important and non-negotiable that that is, dare to say, your purpose. That's your your reason why for living, that your reason why you matter. It's It's an indicator. It's part of a family. I wouldn't say it's your purpose. Your purpose is, okay, let me give an example. So using the structure of the cause and effect, cosmic cause and effect, cosmic geometry, the way I work with people is you come up with a two to five word phrase, why two to five, easy to remember. Mm -hmm. So I was working with this guy, he was in his early 30s, and his phrase was, the boat bloody sings. You think, what? Now, to you and I, we go, we look at it a bit bemusing. Well, okay, mate. But for him, it was just exhilarating. And the reason was, was that in his teenage years, he was a rower, as in, as in team of eight. Yep. Cox crew. Eights and things. Crewing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there was so much about it he hated. He hated the judge. He hated the, the, the constant carping and criticism. But there were two moments which absolutely stood out to him. And that was when everyone was in such unison that even the boat sang. I didn't know it was possible. I mean, and, and straight away you get this picture, go, whoa, moment of perfection. And of course it, it, it passes 
one second or half a second, but it was there. He felt it. And so he recognized that that was such a peak moment for him that he wants his life to be creating that, knowing full well it might only be one moment in his life that he's actually done that with, with and through and with oh, other people. I got it. Now, so that was a moment that was lost in the midst of his time. You go, oh, it was a brilliant moment. It was a high point moment, but yeah, mm-hmm. and gone. But now this is elevated. So his life now, it's definitely a custodial phrase. So that is his purpose. How does he create? And he goes, I don't have a clue. I go, what a, what a great question. Where do I start? Is it that you need to start coaching rowers and crews? I don't know. At work, you're already leading. How do you create it? You know, how would the boat sing or the boat? He, he had to have the word bloody sing in there because it went, you know, Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. It's what you can't not do is what I'm hearing. Correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That it's, so, it's your must to yeah. thrive. Yeah. So we are being called on before there's so much buffer room, wiggle room. You know, we could sort of get by, get through, and yeah, it was a bit tough and a bit harsh. But now we've been burned. The skin, our skin's been burned off, and there's raw flesh underneath, or the first layers, and there's oh, raw yeah. skin. It feels very sensitive. Mm-hmm. What's great about that is we can now, it's forcing us to consider more the custodial realms of ourselves as to who do we want to be in the world, who must we be in the world. Not, not as an obligation, not as, you ought to, yeah, you should. But how do you find that within yourself so it becomes a joy, becomes a pleasure? Because I think ultimately the big, if there is a, a question at prior, just at the moment, death or on the other side, whatever it is, how do you feel about your life when you're by yourself? So when you look back on your life, how do you feel about it? And if you lived your life, even through the COVID, close to that the boat bloody sings, you go, yes, even though I was under such duress even though it was so bloody hard and I was on track to get there inside two years and I was knocked off, I was tilted, it was gone. I, you know, it took me five years to get, but I still remain true. So it's the custodial is what it is that your life honors. How close do you remain to that? How can you use the COVID environment? Now, as an example, what I've found, because when COVID hit, I, I immediately went into overwhelm and I thought, this is bigger than me. Ah, yeah. Even knowing, even knowing what I what I know about how my brain works, rah, 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 rah. you know, I still I became this floppy, impotent person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's real. It's real. Yeah, yes. yeah. Totally. So I thought, well, I need people around. See, the, the picture I had in my head was because this was, you know, we had total lockdown in New Zealand, never happened before, and I thought this is too much for me to think about. How can I think about it in a way that makes sense? And because New Zealand has only been populated for about 180-odd years, this whole settler concept, settler idea is, is still reasonably fresh. So I was thinking, well, there are people from the other side of the world who got on sailing ships that went to, the, to New Zealand, had no clue as to what it was like over there, and came in over with a pioneering spirit. And this whole COVID thing, it's like everyone has been forced off the land. You've been given an hour, grab whatever you can, put in a suitcase, get on that boat. And if you've been on a boat, tough luck, get on that boat. It's going to be cramped. You're not going to be able to sleep very well. You certainly can't go usual things because it's so tight, so small. You're going to to learn how to sail on the way. You've never been out there. You don't know what the tide is like. And you're going to a place on the other side of the world. You have no idea. I was thinking, whoa. So what I did was I, I, I asked myself, who are the people around me who I believe have got pioneering spirit? 
And I created a mastermind and I said, hey, guys, this is an opportunity for us to help each other out. We don't know what's, what's happening going forward. And certainly I feel empty, but together I feel much stronger. So how does that translate? Here we are, whatever it is, six months later, nine months later. Because of all of this, because it's been unrelenting, right? My business has been punished and I've had to really think and dig deep and all the rest of it. I've become even tighter and more determined to find the people on the same frequency as I am in that custodial element. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to find them. Whereas before, I don't know I would have. Yeah, yeah. So it's forcing, it's, it, there's this like a squeezing in. Yes. Which feels horrible because we're not used to it. Maybe claustrophobia. But what's the upside is that it is forcing us to really consider who we are in the world, what it is that we honor, what it is that we stand for, what is it we won't compromise, what is it that... I must do to get through. How do I change my habits? What habits do I need to change? How do I, how do I even think about my thinking? And how loose have I been? Because it's, it totally exposed us in all of the places that in the past have been sort of plastered over. Yes. So you're, this is a really long way of answering the question, how do we thrive? <laughs> yeah, but what is, I love it. I mean, I think that this is, it's so relevant. It's so real it is raw it is it's and that is the backdoor gift of the these these times and you know i think people even as i'm sensing right now that as we go into a new season at least over here in the in the states where we're heading towards a fall and a winter mm. i know most people expected that this would be through and yeah. so they still there are many that said well i'm still not going to go Deep. I'm not going to go to the custodial. I can just bear down and hold on. And and there may be more that are considering doing that through, you know, this and saying it's only going to be one more season or two more seasons. But but what's really being beckoned of us and what you're putting forth as the challenge for that becomes what really the most impactful happy leaders do is to answer these questions, to get real and true on what is it that you can't not do, what is it that, that you will not it is your being. It's the core. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. why you exist. It's, it, and to, you know, be forced to sit down. It's like putting a kid in a high chair and to answer and to get real. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that from that is how we will get our highest levels of energy. I think a lot of people, it can be these times, you know, we're looking for other things to boost our energy. It can be alcohol. It can be yeah. addiction to something else, exercise or addiction. There's so many ways, but it's, it's, this is the natural or organic way is what I'm hearing you say to sustain and be at that nine or 10 of, of energy that you're, you're mentioning. What my question for you now is what is the most practical tool someone could begin to do right now today, besides this very fabulous journal exercise and to explore Mm. those two questions what do you what have you noticed as you observe your leaders that has been very supportive of them you know to to maintain when there are so many that are yeah, yeah 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 absolutely so at a very practical level there is the performance predictor which is the chart that I put together the energy chart Excellent. why is that you know, why in our is show that notes by the way but yes yeah. so what that is it's it's a breakdown of the different predictable behaviors that go with each energy level from 1 to 10 so why is that useful? Well, if you had, number one, it's easy. You can look at it and go, where's my energy like at the moment? And I think one of its strengths is that it's it's not scientific. It's just basically, if you were to rate your energy out of 10, where would it be? And you go, oh, it's about there. Okay. So the next question is, well, how do I get it to the level up? So let's say I'm a three. 
number one, to acknowledge you're a three, you go, okay, right, you're no longer in it. You go, oh, right, I see that this body is at a three. How do I get to a four? Great question. And it's not for me to say, well, you need to do A, B, C, or D. You can do that yourself. Well, if, in fact, don't go from a three to four. Go from a three to a three and a half. The brain is a search engine. You put in a really good quality question. How do I go from a three to a three and a half? And it'll go, ah, oh, go for a walk. Have a lie down. Have a glass of water. Whatever it is. Boom. Now, the great thing is to even think about and talk about energy raises energy. Yes. I noticed that. Even when I was, I did, it, I did the self-audit for myself. And I was like, just the acknowledgement, as you say, of where you are, there's something about that. It, it, as you're, I think you're saying, you're, you separate from it. It's not mm, you. It's mm, just an observation. Mm. It, then it's a neutral exposure. Yeah. And then you can, as you're about to say, go into asking a better question as opposed to just yeah. being in it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so what happens, a lot of these methodologies that you train and I train, they work when we're in the right mindset. You know, when our energy levels are high, you go, yeah, that works. So let me apply this now. Yeah, I feel much better. But when our energy level is, I think, even six and below, we can't even think of the thing to do. And even if I came to you and said, look, here's this thing, four steps, you go, piss off, you know, because yes. you just don't have the headspace. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you need really simple, what's the next level thing? And my best next level thing is, Let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Get just fun in this, you know, and just the word fun. Now, it's just it's 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 point one of a of a of an inch forward energetically, right. but it shifts you and you go, fun, fun. This doesn't feel like but fun. You've entered the idea of fun into thinking and you're starting to move. Yes. Okay. So there's the tool, you've got the desk, you recognize your certain energy level. And, and that's when you can really see over a period of time, you'll say, heck, consistently I'm at a three, four, five, six, or whatever. Now, the question is, where does leadership sit? What's the energetic level of leadership on that chart? And, and you know, I appreciate your leaders don't, sorry, your listeners don't have that on them, but it's actually eight and above. It's not nine or 10. Now, I am interested in the nine or 10. That's what's called flow and peak performance and all the rest of it. And, and I don't think it's uh, unobtainable. But practically, eight and above. And the reason for eight is a couple of reasons. Number one is the job of leaders to give energy. If I come from an eight, you pick it up as a seven, I'm giving you energy. If I come from a seven, you pick it up as a six, I'm not shifting you. If I come from a six, you pick it up as a five, I'm sucking your energy. You don't want to be around me. So there's that. Now, if you come from a nine and 10, but re in reality, how often are we at a nine or 10? Right, right. And oh, when I've had a good sleep. when the boat sings that we're there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You wake yes. Whoa. Yeah. Yes, yes. Totally. So it's good to know that because energetically, if, you're, if your energy is a seven, the best you can get to is management, which is tweaking the status quo. So you could be holding the expectation in your head, oh, I should be the leader, I should be da, 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 da. But if your energy level is low, there's no way you can get there. So you've actually got to genuinely got to be able to get to the seven, get to the eight yes. to be able to undertake leadership yes. considerations, thoughts, actions, etc. Eight is still pretty damn challenging. It's not impossible, but it's and it's obtainable. It's not, you know, it's it's not impossible even today's time. So, but we need to be more specific, more deliberate, more intentional about it. Previously, we could just say, "Hey, I'll just." have a good meal, wake up slowly, and you know that'll, that gets me to an eight. No, we need to be far more intentional these days around the right. mindset work. 
Okay, so how to make it practical is that introduce this concept to your team. Mm-hmm. Simple, easy peasy concept. And even if you don't show them the chart, say, okay, rate out of 10, our meeting out of 10, get a piece of paper, put the number and screw that up and throw it in the middle of the table. And so it's anonymous, mm-hmm. but rate out of 10, where's their energy level of this meeting? Yeah. Because the key thing is usually we have a meeting, even on, on Skype or I mean, Zoom, whatever, or in person. Gee, what a luxury in person. Woo! Um, <laughs> I know. You don't know what you missed till it's gone. Yeah, yeah. So they throw in the, the figure yeah. and you go, oh, gee, the average is a four. So the point of a meeting is not that I've transferred information. You think it is. I've told you, so now you know. The point of the meeting is not now you know. The point of the meeting is now that you know, can you enact it when you walk out the door? Do you have the energy to yeah. be able to enact it when you walk out the door? Yeah. So. If you think about it, the point of a meeting is to make sure the end is a high is 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 at a high energy level, because people go, oh, I enjoyed that, it raised my energy. And number two, there's a greater likelihood that the changes on the things to be done will get done. Yes. Because for most people at the moment with COVID, we're energy colanders. I tell you stuff, and two minutes later, you've forgotten. Not your fault. Yes. So it's, it's because the, it's the energy. It's 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 unbelievable. I I couldn't agree with you more. It's. Have you passed off the energy? What is the feeling that they're having as they're leaving that and specifically as measured by energy and yeah. or more specifically as frequency? And have you raised people's frequency? I love the idea that, that you might be at a seven, but they're just there, dare I say, a digit behind you. Mm-hmm. And so that they're, they're tracking, they're not there. You, and that whole piece about being deliberate and interested in knowing. I mean, there are meetings you come out of that you feel like, oh my God, you see people's eyes. Everyone looks at their your eyes are bulging across the room like, oh dear Lord, get me out. And, or those that you feel like, I got this. I, mm-hmm. I you know, you've, you've, and you're in, you're in more of a seven or eight at least. But to be, for leaders to be interested in that is something that is, is different, you know, because it has been considered, I think culture and uh, tradition says it's just an inter- an information download as opposed to an energetic download. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And see, energy flows where attention goes. So therefore, the job of the leader is where do you focus their attention? And if I say to you, look, we've got these massive problems, fix those problems. I'll focus your attention on the problems, which is going to take your energy down, which is going to reduce your ability to think about and create, come up with creative ideas versus... So what's one thing that, we, that would really skyrocket? What's the one small thing we could do to have a massive impact? Oh, the brain goes, small? I can handle small. Massive? Well, that's a bit, a bit of dopamine kick in. So there's an art. The other thing that I'd say is that the job of a leader is not actually to energize other people, <laughs> even though I just said that. Yeah. The job of a leader is to find the ways where they self-energize. Yes. So that, because, that their people self-energize. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes. So I educate you on how you can self-energize. Exactly. So yes, my job is to offer you the environment, which is a high eight. Mm-hmm. So you feel good when you walk in. Right. But I can't motivate you or put it this way. I could. Hey, I know really you can do this. I totally blah, blah, blah. But as soon as you leave the room, you drop back to your energetic right. level and I keep my energy level. Right. So better that I give you the tools, the skills, the understandings on how you can raise your energy. Number one, I notice you're down at a four. How do I get Rita's up to an eight, to a seven? Right. I could have a conversation with her about her energy level. I could ask her about what's going on. I could smile. I mean, there's a million ways. Right, right, right. But what you're looking to do ultimately is I want you to become more self-reliant energetically. Yes, yes. Self-leader. That's how you 
build first yourself and then the team and the culture and, and make the impact and influence that you really want. I, Bruce, this has been so insightful and so helpful and rich with, I mean, even this, this last few minutes, just practical, really practical ways to introduce this to yourself and to a team and, and so needed as you know, and during this time. So I can't thank you enough. Is there, if I had one more, if you had one question that I didn't ask you, is there something that you, you'd like uh-huh. to share? Yeah. Okay. So I haven't really talked about flow. I mean, this whole concept of flowpreneur, what that is about is this preneur, which is the drive, our mojo, our spirit, our get up and go, the volitional self that we, that we come from every day. Yeah. The flow piece is peak stakes of consciousness where we perform and feel at our best. So it's, it's a peak moment. We've all experienced flow in the past. And we go, oh, God, like that boat bloody sings was a peak moment, right? Right. So high point moments, and for most people, they are haphazard or occasionally or occasionally you drop into it. The whole concept behind flowpreneur is to get back into it on conscious, deliberate, predictable basis. Okay. So if it is that flow is actually an option, even despite what's going on at the moment, what would be, what's an access point? How do I get into that? And I'll give you two, one for the left brain inclined listeners and one for the right brain inclined listeners. Perfect. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you for respecting. Go ahead. Okay. So for the left brain inclined, there's a thing called a challenge skills balance. And the challenge is, is what gets you into flow. Flow follows focus. And when you've got a challenge, which is slightly above where your current skills are, you've really got to focus. So you need a challenge and it's called a struggle. Actually, you've got to struggle. You can't get into flow by not struggling. There's no easy peasy. Just You've really got to tip yourself against something quite challenging. And it's only about 5 five to 8% more than your current skill set. So that's the first thing. Give yourself a challenge. Give yourself something you've got to work out, you've got to struggle into because once you pop the outside of it, you're into it, you're into the flow. So that's left brain side type people. They want a formula or they want a ratio. The right brain people, and this equally applies to left brain people, is play. Mm-hmm. What a concept. Play. Whatever play means for you. So children are in play all the time and they drop into flow a lot of the time because they don't have a lot of that internal noise that we have, the inner critic. But play is such an essential part of loosening up because with everything that's going on at the moment, it feels constrictive. The whole thing about flow or leadership is actually expansive. Think in terms of constrictive or spacious. We're at our best when we're in that spacious state. Yes. yes. Well, that said, sometimes in terms of just prior to a presentation, we've got to be in that constrictive, focused place, but we can't be. That's called chronic stress. You know, I was a little bit nervous prior to this, and I, that, was, that was adrenaline and norepinephrine and all focusing agents. But to have that on a constant hypervigilant state, which is what's going on at the moment with uncertainty, that tips us into stress and distress. So the whole play thing is giving yourself permission to play, be that doodling on a page, be it, I don't know, moving your toes to music, whatever it might be, right? right? Play. And that actually is one of the meta flow triggers, just like, you know, one of the two most powerful is that challenge skills and then there's play. Yes. Oh, I love that. That is a very fabulous, a fabulous place to end. I, 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 we are all exceedingly serious during these times. It seems that play, as they say, you rarely do 
you get your best answer sitting at your desk because it, it does come with this prescription. So it is get up, move and play, do something yeah. that, that wakens you, that expands you, that space makes you make, as you said, more spacious. Oh my goodness. Fabulous advice, happy ending advice too. And practical. I appreciate this, Bruce. Thank you for being here for our listeners. I look forward to making sure that your additional gift to us all is in the show notes. If you want to get this, this is Bruce Ross. And we look forward to talking to you next week as a whole. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for being with me today. By you listening to this, it tells me you're interested in growing yourself and likely not just for yourself, but to positively influence others as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share this with your friends and colleagues. When leaders like you grow yourself and then grow others, we all are positively impacted. If you have questions, I'm here to answer them and may even use them in our upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. You can send those questions to Breakthrough at RitaHighland.com. Remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the full version of you at play. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast.